glad I got saved, aren't you? And I heard a little kid back there that's gl- glad he's going to get saved one day. I heard him, amen, and he was feeling it too. So Romans chapter number 1, if you have your Bible this morning, Romans chapter number 1 in verse number 14. Thank you, Miss Jenny, for that. And uh, boy, I love that song. And uh, I'm glad that that, uh, that river that flowed, that fountain that flowed, it's still flowing today, aren't you? And uh, it's still got just as much power today as it's ever had, and it won't ever run out. And uh, there will always be enough power in the blood of Jesus to cleanse any sinner that would call on the name of Jesus for salvation. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 14 is where I invite your attention to this morning. The other day, or a few days ago, toward the end of last year, I listened to a sermon And the preacher, uh, as he was coming to a close of that sermon, he suggested that the people would pick a word that they wanted to focus in on in the new year. And he encouraged them to pick a a word that uh, they wanted their life to be the theme of their life for the year of 2023, something that they wanted to grow, something that they wanted to uh, continue to get closer to, whatever it might have been. And as I thought about that word, Uh, or a word, the word that kept coming to my mind was the the word gospel. And I thought, you know, I want to focus in on the gospel in 2023. I I want to place everything else that I have around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it sounded great and it To be honest with you, it made me feel real spiritual as I thought about it. I thought, you know, everybody else is probably choosing something else, but here I am, Mr. Spiritual. I'm going to choose the gospel to center my life around in 2023. And as I studied the scriptures and that thought was on my mind, it was like God said to me as I was reading the, the Bible, I was reading some scriptures, and this statement came across my heart as clear as it could be from the Lord. The gospel should be the center of your entire life and not just one year. And I got to thinking about that and really I had to turn around and apologize to the Lord that I was going to use the gospel as just a theme for one year. Lord, I'm going to be spiritual this year and I'm going to make my life about the gospel this year. And it was like the Lord was saying, listen, your life is supposed to be about the gospel from the day you got saved until the day that you die. And so don't make yourself feel good because You're going to make this one year about it. He said, I want your whole life to be about it. I want everything that you have and all that you are and all that you will do to be centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be the theme, the banner, and the focus of our life from the day that we got saved until the day that we die. And as I thought about that, I thought, how many times, how many times do we build our lives on all of these other things in the world Yet we fail to build it on the most important thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the very foundation of who we are, what we have, and the promises that we hold on to. Unfortunately, it seems that many people, including myself at times, will claim the gospel when it is convenient. We'll claim the gospel when it sounds good. But when other times we tend to forget about the gospel. You you see, this morning if I were to ask you if you were going to go to hell you would say, I'm saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to hell, we all love the thought about the gospel. What about everyday life? When we get near our point of death, 
We cling to the Gospel of Jesus Christ because we don't want to go to hell. And we know that the Gospel is our one way to avoid hell and go to heaven. But can I say, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is not just an eternity changing message. It is a life changing message. And the Lord did not intend for the Gospel to only affect your eternity, but He wants it to affect your life today in the way that you live and the things that you do. We love it when it's our ticket out of hell, but what about our motive for being a Christian today? It too should be the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be the theme. It should be the focal point. It should be the foundation of all that we do. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well preacher, I don't know why I am where I am today. I would say the Gospel. You say, I don't know why I have what I have today I would say the gospel you say I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through today I would say the gospel you see what gives intent and purpose to your life today it is not your personality it is not your career it is not everything else that's going on around you the thing that gives you intent and purpose for everyday living is the gospel of Jesus Christ and when we remember that and we hold on to that it gives us a whole new light of how we look at things because I'm working for the king and I'm an ambassador for Him. And while I'm on planet earth today, I'm a citizen of heaven. And I'm only here until my time is up. And then He's going to call my number and I'm going to go back to I'm going to go be with Him in glory. But until then, I'm going to serve Him on earth representing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in. When we find that it is the foundation of our life, the basis of all that we do, it changes so much about us. In Romans chapter 1 from verse 14 to verse number 17, I want to share with you this morning just a few things about the gospel. Paul said, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want, to, I want to give you just a few things this morning about the gospel. Number one, I want you to see the person of the gospel. I like how Paul defines it in verse number 16. He doesn't say that it's my gospel. He doesn't say that it is the gospel of the apostles. He doesn't say that it is the gospel of the church. But he says this, it is the gospel of Christ. It is all about Him. He owns it. It's His message. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about this church or that church or this religion or that religion. But it is all about Jesus Christ and what He did and who He is and what He offers to you and I and how dare any of us ever want to take the Gospel and distort it and twist it and pervert it and make it anything less or anything more than it is. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is so good that it doesn't need me to make it any gooder. It's as good as it's going to get that He died, that He was buried, and that He rose again and He's seated at the right hand of the Father today. It was sufficient then. It's sufficient today. And it is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the message that we have. Paul shared with the church at Corinth that the Gospel was not, it was not the message that consisted of the healing of ministry of Jesus Christ. Now I like to read about the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing that the Lord could walk up to somebody and Brother Bobby, He could say, take up your bed and walk. 
and he'd get up and he'd walk and he'd leap for joy. But the Gospel is not just about the healing ministry of Christ. The Gospel is not all about His compassionate deeds when He would do wonderful things for people that were in need. It isn't about His His powerful provision when He would take five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish and turn them into enough to feed the multitude. That is not the Gospel in itself. Yes, those are the parts and those are events of the life of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, you could get rid of that and you'd still have the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you get rid of the death, burial, and resurrection, you've got nothing more than just a good man that people like. And that is not enough to save you today. It is not enough to have a religious man that did a lot of good things back in the day. The one thing that differentiates our belief from every other belief in the world is that our Savior, not only did He die, but He lives again today. We don't serve and we don't worship a good man that's dead. We serve and we worship the God-man that died but lives today and will live forever. It's His Gospel, not my Gospel. And if I move to Africa or I move to Egypt or I move wherever it is outside of this wonderful Shelby County, it's still going to be the Gospel of Jesus Christ and it always will be. And there is no difference. You can cross every border that exists on this planet and it'll still be the gospel of Jesus Christ. It never changes. It doesn't matter about the culture. It doesn't matter about the ideas. It doesn't matter about the customs. The gospel's the gospel, and nothing can change that. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not my right or your right to change that in any way. Unfortunately, there are many gospels today that are preached, aren't there? There are many different gospels that are presented and shared. I think about what Paul shared with the church at Gal- the churches of Galatia. He said, listen, if any man or any angel or anybody come unto you preaching another gospel. And what that word meant is it was one that was similar, but it was different. It wasn't the same. It might have sounded similar. It might have looked similar. It might have, it might have felt similar, but it was not the same. There were people coming to preach unto them that yes, Jesus died. Yes, Jesus risen again, but you got to get circumcised to be saved. And can I say that one bit of difference makes it not the same message anymore? And Paul said, if they come preaching that gospel, let them be accursed. Paul said, let them be damned. Here's something that a lot of people don't want to hear. The religious world today wants to tie hands with everybody that says they're a Christian, but the Bible is clear that if anybody is preaching a message that is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ, then we are to not be part of that in any way. There is something It's more important than our feelings. It's more important than what we think. It's more important than what everybody else says looks good. It is the only message that will give eternal life to a sinner that is bound for the devil's hell and we ought not be okay with mixing it up with anything else. We ought to want to stick to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it's anything else than that, you say, well, preacher, the gospel that I heard sounded similar. They just said you got to get baptized as well. Not it. You say, well, well the, you know, it sounded similar. They preached about the death and they preached that Jesus rose, but they said that you got to do something on your own to get it and keep it and be able to have it. It's not the same. It's not the same message. It doesn't matter if it sounds similar. It doesn't matter if it even looks similar on paper. Things that are different are not the same and we ought not mix up with Gospels that are different than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's His Gospel. And all we've been called to do today
It's not to add what we think needs to be added to it, not take away what we think needs to be taken away from it. We've simply been called to do this, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our mission, it is our task, it is our responsibility, and it should be our objective in being alive today is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice the preaching that Paul talked about. He says there in verse number 14, he said he was a debtor. In verse number 15, he said, I'm ready. And then in verse number 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of. Can I say this morning, it is your responsibility and my responsibility to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. We, we talk about different offices in the church and we say, well, you're the, you're the preacher and this person is the deacon and all of these things. But know this, the responsibility to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem to where it is today did not fall on one man. It fell on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to do that. Therefore, we all have the responsibility to Claim the good news of Jesus Christ. We should all be busy doing our part to get the gospel from where it is today to a little further out there so that more people can hear it and that more people might be saved. Jesus taught it with His last words, didn't He? Well, there with His great commission when He was telling the disciples, He said, Go ye therefore, He said, and preach the gospel to every creature. To everyone, you share the gospel, not with just some, but with all of them. It is our objective to get the gospel out there. God ordained preaching of the gospel. He is the one that ordained the preaching of the gospel to get it out there. He didn't ordain all these other things that go on. He said the preaching of the cross. He said it might be foolishness to the world, but if you're saved today and you don't like at least a good 25 minutes of preaching about the gospel, there's something wrong with you, alright? I understand if you don't like 35, I'm there with you. But if you can't handle 25 minutes of preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ, then there is something that's wrong in our heart because it is the power of God unto salvation. And while the world may say that it is foolish, you and I, we love it because it is the only reason that we're saved today. And we know that and we have the responsibility to share it with the world. Look at some things. If you want to make the gospel your mission, here are a few things we have to have. Notice in verse number 14, there was a burden. I like what Paul said. He said, I'm a debtor. I owe it to them. I, I owe it to them to share the gospel with them. You're talking to the, Rome, the Romans. Boy, they looked at themselves and thought of themselves above everyone else. I owe nobody anything. Everybody is below me. And here's what Paul said. I'm a debtor to all of them. I owe it to them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Can I say that this world may be full of people that you don't like and it may be full of people that bother you and aggravate you and irritate you and everything else that just upsets you in some way. But we have a responsibility to share the gospel. And we ought to be so burdened that we owe it to those in our life to get the gospel message out to them. I'm glad that when I was a kid and I was going to church, that there was somebody every Sunday that sat in that Sunday school room and they told me about Jesus Christ and we might have painted a picture and we might have drew an elephant and we might have done all sorts of things in that class, but they made it a point to tell me about a Savior that loved me and died for me and that He defeated death, hell, and the grave for me and that there was a preacher that would stand up and preach with all that he had that I needed to be saved and it was the only way that I could 
could avoid hell. And if they were willing to do that for me, then I ought to be willing to do that for everybody else. I'm glad that somebody was willing to stand in the gap for this person that was headed to hell. And if somebody was willing to stand in the gap for me, shouldn't we be willing to stand in the gap for them? Friends, you'd be lost and headed to hell if somebody didn't tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If somebody didn't preach to you, if somebody didn't hand you a tract, if somebody wouldn't have prayed for you, if somebody wouldn't have taught that Sunday school class, you'd be headed to hell or possibly in it today already. But somebody was willing to do something because they felt a burden. Boy, they might have said, I'm not good at it. But they went in that class and they sat there as nervous as they could. And they got out that literature and they studied it and they taught it and they probably went back to their home and they said, I did a terrible job. And they beat themselves up over it. But you know what they did the next Sunday? They did it again. And they did it again. And they kept doing it because they knew that the power of the gospel would be able to save you. It wasn't in their delivery. It wasn't in their presentation. It wasn't in their crafts. It wasn't in all that. They had confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they did it again. And they did it again. And aren't you glad that somebody was willing to stand in the gap for you when you needed to be saved? You and I ought to have a burden today. I owe it to people to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not only was there a burden, notice the readiness that Paul had. I like what he says in verse number 15, as much as in me is. Paul said, with everything that I have, with all that I am, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. I wonder today, if, if God said, Levi, I want you to get up and I want you to do this, how ready would I be to do that? How ready would you be to do that? Paul said, listen, I, my bags are packed. I don't care if I forget my bags. I'm ready. To, if, the, if the number's called today, I'm ready to go to Rome in any way at all to preach the gospel to you. There was this eagerness. There was this passion. There was this desire to just get the gospel to those people. I wonder this morning, how ready are we? How burdened are we? How eager are we? How much passion and zeal lies within our heart to take the gospel to the people in our life? Most of us are saying, I want them to be saved and I don't want anybody to go to hell and I want everybody to come to know Jesus Christ and I hope that somebody will tell them about Jesus. Paul said, I'm ready. You're looking for somebody, send me. I'll go to Rome. I'll be the one that tells them about Jesus. I believe that Paul's motto in his life was, I'm ready. In Acts chapter 21 and verse number 13, he said, I'm ready to suffer. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 6, he said, I'm ready to die. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 15, he said, I'm ready to preach. This is why I'm alive. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Use me, Lord, to get the gospel out there. He was ready to do that in that moment, looking for the opportunity to take the gospel to Rome. I wonder, or is there anybody in your life today that you are looking for the opportunity to share the gospel with? Is there anybody that burdens you? Anybody that's on your heart? Anybody that you know today is just a half a heartbeat away from dying and going to hell? If there is, are you ready to share the gospel with them? You say, well, preach after service. I was going to give you their phone number and address, hoping you'd do it. If God put it on your heart, friend, I would encourage you that maybe God's going to open the door for you to do that. If God has, if God's placed them on your heart and you're worried about their soul and you're worried about their eternity, maybe it's time we all get ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Not only was there a burden and not only was there this readiness, but Paul also had this sense of boldness. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, Liz, don't bother me. You go, to, you go to Rome, a bunch of sophisticated people over there in Rome, they would probably be embarrassed of a gospel that was centered around a crucified Jewish Savior. 
that you know who embraced? The lowest of people. People in Rome said, you want us to hold on to this message? All those low-class people over there, they embrace that message. You want, you want us to make the, the foundation of our life this Jewish man that had no home or anywhere to lay his head and he died on a Calvary's cross with a criminal? You want that to be our, our banner? You want that to be our foundation? And, and they would laugh at that and they would, they, would, they would mock them for that. And Paul said, it doesn't matter because I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what men may say they may laugh they may think that you're crazy they may mock you they may do all of those things but Paul was not moved by any of that can I say this morning the world doesn't understand what you're doing this morning it makes absolutely no sense okay that you took a Sunday part of your weekend and you decided to go to church and come and listen to somebody get up here and preach for however long he decides to preach. And that, that makes no sense. And you know what most of you are going to do? You're going to do it again next Sunday. And there are people in the world that think that's just crazy that you would do that. You'd get up there and you'd sing about being saved. And you, you'd stand back there in your pew and you'd sing that Jesus saves. And boy, you wouldn't just sing it, but you'd sing it from your heart. And then you'd get up and preach and, and you'd walk around and do all that. And people would say, what is going on with all of that foolishness? And we would say, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all about Him. And we are not ashamed. You can say whatever you want to say. And you can mock us in whatever way that you want to mock us. And you can laugh and you can say how foolish it is and all of those things. But can I say there's coming a day where every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. And there will be many, many, many people that would have wished they would have done that when it counted. And they would have recognized Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the only Savior that there is. But it will be too late for them at that moment. And they will acknowledge that He's the King. They will acknowledge that He's the Lord. And forever they will spend an eternity in a Christless hell. And it was all because they rejected the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I would say to you, this morning that eternity is way, way too long to be wrong, isn't it? It is way too long to be wrong about Jesus Christ. And it will never end. And you can sit here today and you can mock it and you can laugh at it and you can say, Preacher, you look like a fool up there. And everybody else before you look like a fool up there. And you can say that and you do whatever you want to do, but I assure you there's going to come a day that you would have wished you would have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That you too would have acknowledged that message. And when you do, here's the amazing thing, and I'll move on. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you experience the power of the Gospel that we'll talk about in a minute, you're going to want to be doing that same thing. And making sure that same message that once you sat there at the end of your chair... And you thought, I just, I don't know, Brother Bobby, if, I, if I'm going to believe that or not, you know. I don't know if I'm going to give in to that or not. And you'll sit there with doubts and wonder and question about different things. But I assure you, the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you and dwells you, writes your name down, gives you the blood, applies that, you're cleansed, you're pardoned, and you feel that and you know that. You're not going to wonder anymore. You're going to see that that same preaching that you thought was foolish, that that is the power of God unto salvation. And you'll love it then. And you'll want to do it then. And you won't have to be drugged there anymore because you will want to be a part of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and what He's doing there. Paul had this burden and he had this readiness and he had this boldness that it did not bother him what anybody thought or what anybody said because he was living for one man. You see, today... 
we do a lot of things. Every, everybody's always spectating, aren't they? I don't know if you've ever done anything in front of people before. You performed, you sang, you preached, you spoke, whatever it might be. Everybody's going to have a thought, aren't they? Everybody's going to have something to say. You know, somebody's going to somebody's going to say you did this wrong or that wrong or whatever it may be, and you'll think about those things and you'll you'll consider that you'll you'll fix things that you need to fix and all of that. But I don't want you to know this. At the end of the day, you live to please one person, and it is not all of the people that are watching you, and it is not all of the critics that are out there, and it is not everybody that's going to tell you how you should do something, even though they've never done it before. It's not all of those people. The one person that you live to please, it's not even the person sitting beside you today, the person that raised you today. You live to please the one man that died on Calvary for you, that defeated the grave for you, that sits at the right hand of the throne today for you, and that is coming again for you one day. He is the one man that we live to please. And what we need to do is put all of these other opinions and their criticism and everything that we're living under and say that is not what is going to define me. I'm living for the Master and the Master alone. And you can say whatever you want to say about the mandate I've been given to preach. I'm not living to please them. We're living to please Him. And when we find that and we grasp that, then we tend to brush off some of those other things. You know what? People may say this and they may say that. But when I stand before the King one day, I assure you this. The king is not going to call Brother Kevin Malloy and say, now Brother Kevin, can you give me your honest opinion about what you thought about Levi Kilhorst? It's not going to matter what you thought. He's not going to call a friend and say, how did you view him during his tenor of life there at Timpson Missionary Baptist Church? He knows everything that you don't know. He's not looking for opinions or suggestions or recommendations or any of those things. He's going to judge me based on how I live for Him and not based on the perspective that everybody else had of your life or of my life. Let's not be ashamed because of what our peers are saying. Let's live with boldness because Jesus is watching. Let's live for boldness because we're commissioned by Him and not by anybody else. Notice the power of the Gospel. He says it is the power of God unto salvation. Hey, there's no other message. Many messages have been delivered, haven't they? Given by great people, great orators that have given wonderful messages of victory and freedom and everything else, but there's only one. There's only one message that has ever been delivered that has the ability to give you salvation. That is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find every message that has ever been recorded for a man and it will do you no good, but the Gospel the gospel can give to you something that nothing else can. And that is salvation. Notice the promise of the gospel. I'll try to be done quickly. Look at what he says in verse number 16. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I want you to notice this. That salvation is received by believing in Jesus Christ. We like to make salvation extremely difficult and confusing and say, well, you know, the people have to do this or they have to do that and all of these other things. There's so many different religions out there that have tried to add different things to salvation. And Jesus made it so clear, didn't He? He said, listen, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Paul said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said that if thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is the result of believing and trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ 
and of the empty tomb that He defeated that. And when you call on Him in faith, He saves you that moment. When you turn to Him and place your trust in faith, I'll say this morning, if you're here and you're saying, you're claiming baptism, just know this morning, if you're claiming baptism to get you into heaven, that one day you will bust hell wide open, okay? And if you're here this morning and you say, preacher, I attended church my entire life, that you're going to enter straight into hell when you die, if that is the basis of your salvation, you can claim all of the different things that religion has to offer, and it will lead you straight to a Christless hell for all of eternity but there's one there's one way there's one source there's one opportunity there's there's only one way to do it and that's faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did and there's never been understand there's never been one sinner in all of history that called out to Jesus in faith that was rejected not one you could think of the worst person that you've ever met in your life and if they called out to Jesus today, they'd be saved because faith is what saves. Here's the second promise of the gospel. Not only salvation is received by believing, but notice this word that he uses, or this phrase, everyone. But I get so confused. I, I try to read commentaries every now and then. I try to read those that don't require a, def, a dictionary to read them. But I try to read some commentaries sometimes, and I'll, I'll come across these just... Bible scholars, man, they've got all of the information, they've got all of the charts. I mean, they're just, they're, they're too smart for their own good sometimes. And you read all of that, and I'll never understand this, how a person that is so intelligent can confuse these two words, everyone and whosoever. I've never, never been able to understand that. I, here, here's the definition for everyone, okay? It's very deep, but everyone is everyone. And whosoever is whosoever. And, and I mean, I know that that's really hard to break down in the mind, but it just means anybody and everybody has that opportunity. And why in the world anybody would ever come up with some system of belief that the God of heaven who is willing to give His only begotten Son would choose you and choose you, but not choose you and pick you for hell and pick you for heaven is totally out of character for the God of the Bible. He said, whosoever, anybody has the opportunity, know this, salvation is offered to the entire world, no matter what they've done, who they are, where they're from, what their last name is, they are offered to be saved. It is for everyone. Salvation is not a choice that God made for you. It is a choice that you must make for yourself. You say, well, preacher, what about when the Bible refers to the elect? Didn't God choose and doesn't God have the elect? Know this. We'll move on. We won't spend much time here. But there is nobody part of the elect outside of salvation. Okay, you say, well, well, this is the elect over here, you know. Pe people today, Bible scholars, all of these people will talk about the elect. And they'll talk about sister so-and-so over here being part of the elect. And she's lost as a goose, but she's part of the elect. And one day she's going to be saved. That's not how it works. Christ is the chosen one, alright? And when you entered into Christ, you became part of the elect then, but you were never ever part of the elect outside of being saved. That is referring to those that are in Christ because He is the elect. He's the chosen one. And we are only part of that because we, on our own, in our own decision, have chosen to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We were not forced to. We were not made to. When I was nine years old and convicted of my sin, God did not force Himself upon me. God drew me to salvation. But you know what the last thing had to be done? 
I had to choose to believe at that moment. God did to me what God's done to everybody. He has given them the opportunity to be saved. And they chose to do that. The promise of the gospel is that you only get saved by believing. And anybody can get saved. Notice the last thing and I'll be done. The plan. Look at this. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of unrighteousness. I wanted you to read verse number 18 just to take away from you, alright? Verse number 17, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, notice this, from faith to faith as it is written. Here's, Here's the plan for the gospel. When you hear it, you are responsible for responding by faith. You are responsible for choosing to believe in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, notice what he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. When we look and we consider this term, the righteousness of God, this is not talking about just God's holy character of righteousness. This is the idea of the righteousness being counted or imputed unto you. Paul Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How does that righteousness apply to us? How do we get that righteousness? Through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the only way. Today, I stand before you as a sinner. As one of the, as Paul said, the chiefest of them. I've got, I've, I've got him beat. You've got him beat. We're all there, right? We're, we're sinners to the very core. But do you know God no longer treats me as that filthy sinner that I was before? And God, doesn't treat, God didn't make me a good man by any means at all. I'm not there yet either. God didn't take away all of my, my sin that I'll ever commit. But God treats me as the righteousness of His Son when He sees me. Because Jesus took all that I have and He gave that back. He gave what He had to me. I heard a preacher say it this way. He said, when Jesus was on the cross at Calvary, God didn't see His Son. He saw your sin. But today when God looks down at you, He no longer sees your sin. He sees His Son. And I'm glad that I can stand before God righteous today because I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it was imputed and given unto me because I put faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do I do now though? Here's here's my challenge to you. Look at what he says. From faith to faith. You know what he's saying there? You started by faith and you finished by faith. He clarifies that when he quotes Habakkuk and he says, the just shall live by faith. You see, faith is not only what saves me. But you know what sustains me today? And you know what gets me through life today? And you know what will get you through the valley? And will get you through all the the terrible seasons of life that you go through? It's the same faith that you placed in Jesus Christ when you got saved. You are to live by faith just as you were saved by faith. Here's the thing. If God could handle all of my eternity, isn't God big enough to handle my life today? If God could save me from a devil's hell, and justify me after everything wrong. I mean, if there was anything that we would look at and say, that is destined for failure, that was me. But God saved me from that. And God rescued me from that. And God delivered me from that. And if God could do that, I assure you today, God can take care of whatever other problems that we have in life as well. He can handle all of it. Our responsibility. My responsibility was not to save me. My responsibility is not to fix everything either. My responsibility is to put faith in the one that can. I got saved by faith and I'm going to live by faith until that one day that's coming in the future when my faith is going to be turned into sight. But until then, I'll hold on to the the, the strong hand of the Lord. I'll hold on to His hand for the rest of my life. And you know what He'll do? He'll lead me right into the promised land one day. He's got me and He's got you if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. Don't quit living by faith today. I want to ask you.